This is the After Hours Director's Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater talks with Jason Dean, Director of Bands at Union City High School in Union City, Tennessee, a town of just over 10,000 people in the northwest corner of the state. Jason joined the Union City Schools in 2006 and has been director of bands for five years. In this conversation, we'll learn about his early influences, how he carries on the tradition of success in the band program at Union City, and the importance of good communication with students, administration, and the community. This conversation was recorded April 29th, 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. I'm excited to sit down today with my good friend, Mr. Jason Deem, Director of Bands at Union City in Northwest Tennessee. Jason, it's good to see you. It's great to be here, Nick, and I appreciate you asking me to speak with you this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you might hear in the background uh, a little bit of background noise. We are actually in the Opryland Hotel today. It is the Tennessee All-State Convention, and Jason, I have a little window today, so we thought we would just sit down and unpack some of the things that have brought Jason to where he is. So, Jason, for our listeners that may not know you, just tell us a little bit about who you are and perhaps the educators that influenced you on your musical journey. I've been the director of bands at Union City for, I think this is my fifth year. This is my 22nd year of music education. I've been everywhere from Lexington High School to Gibson County High School and, of course, been at Union City ever since. Uh, went to school at University of Tennessee at Martin, uh, majored in uh, music education. My instrument was trombone. Uh, some of the educators that I definitely look up to, uh, number one would be Mr. John Easley, who's uh, now is a uh, works for AMRO, uh, but was my head band, was the head band director at Union City when I was the assistant. Uh, Mr. Gil Rollins, who is a maintenance transportation supervisor in Trenton Schools, he was my band director. Um, Mr. Mike Conjardo, who has since passed on um, a while back, and uh, I'd say those are the biggest guys that I looked up to. Uh, one more, Mr. D. Bishop, who is uh, the director of bands at Lafayette High School in Kentucky. Yeah, a lot of great West Tennessee names there, and you are definitely born and raised West Tennessee. Absolutely. All the way through. And now, now you get to teach, you know, 15 minutes down the road from your alma mater. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And, and, and it's always good to, to be close to your alma mater just to, to see how they do. Just kind of keep an eye on them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I know the Union City program um, is really a pride point in the community. And just tell me a little bit about how you try to keep that momentum going in your program. Because the Union City program has had a lot of success over the years. And I know it's something that the community is is very proud of. Reflect back on on your time leading and, and what that means to you and to the community. Well, the person that taught me the most about this was, as I said before, was Mr. John Easley, who was born, bred, and raised in Union City, uh, who was the band director there for over 20 years. And I was his assistant for 13 years, so I learned the ins and outs of the community, where to go, and how to... Uh, get the support that I need from the community. You know, there, most people aren't just going to come out and write you a check or speak nice words about it. You know, you kind of got to, you got to advertise, you got to put it out there. And, uh, Union City is a, is a different situation because they definitely support the, support the band programs and all the athletic programs within the town. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, I'd call it an oddity. 
mm-hmm. because it's not like that everywhere. And that's what I tell a lot of people. Teaching in Union City is not like where I have taught before, and it's a little different than anywhere else. It's just it's a smaller community, and they really, really support uh, the music and the art, the arts in general, yeah. as well as obviously the athletic programs, but. More to be a small rural West Tennessee community, they really support the arts. Yeah, and how do you keep that conversation going with the community? Because I have to under—I have to imagine that um, with that history comes expectations with regards to the program. But it also means that you've got to continually be out and be visible in the community and being a part of that conversation. How does that change your job description and your leadership style teaching in a place like Union City? Well, it, 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 like you said, it, I definitely have to be very highly visible, uh, whether it be out in the community at different events that are not quote-unquote arts-related. Uh, may mean going to an athletic event or going to a any type of community uh, involvement event. I try to always be there. My wife and I always try to be present and uh, definitely get out and uh, show our faces. Yeah. And when they and when we show our faces out in our community, you know, we're able to drum conversation and build up our program. Yeah. And uh, I, as far as getting it out there, we Union City does a great job. We have a communications director where uh, within our school system, and all I have to do is email him to get a story put out uh, on every social media outlet there is. His name is Mr. Mike Hutchinson. He's a great asset. He'll come out and do a story on every uh, band performance, any accolades that we get. And that goes out around the community and throughout uh, Northwest Tennessee. And, uh, you know, if we don't put it out there, people don't know. Yeah. And it's just a great asset to have somebody that can do that and kind of knows all the avenues to do so. And all I got to do is send him an email and he does the rest. Yeah. And I know I know that constant flow of positive communication is so important just to ensure that your program is a cornerstone in your community, that they see and, and hear the right things that are going on in your band program. So perhaps you have a need or when it comes time to recruit, I have to imagine that makes it a lot easier. It really does. And, you know, they see the positive accolades and the positive things going on within our music program. Um, And that is just an ultimate recruitment tool that I use um, because the parents that are going to put their kids in our instrumental music programs, they see how well we're doing and the things that we are doing and doing them well. And it makes it uh, a a really good point for the parents to want to get their kids involved in the programs. Yeah. Let's reflect back. You mentioned John, and of course, you and I both know John well. He's been on this show. He's a wonderful guy. Let's reflect back a little bit on of your early years as the director of bands, and and you know what advice you might share with somebody who's in an established program and they're following somebody that's had a long tenured career. But the reality is, is that you're not John, right? You're going to bring your strengths to the table and begin to have that program reflect your strengths, right? That's what you were hired to do. Just reflect back on that time and what advice would you share with somebody who might be in a similar situation to yours? My first advice to anybody that is of a younger generation and uh, that could be possibly following somebody that has had a long-standing tradi- uh, tradition of teaching and how they and, and excellence there is to definitely keep a good rapport with that person. Don't come in that uh, your first couple years and try to change the world. Do a, small changes and try to implement the way that you want to do things in a timely manner. Don't do it all at one time. If you do that. It, it sometimes causes issues, even though it's how you want to do it or if you think it's right. You definitely got to try to make that transition for the, the kids and the parents as smooth as possible. And if, um, if you do that, nine times out of ten, things are going to go well for you. Um, 
I know from personal experience, uh, after following John, um, I spent a lot of time on the phone with him. Yeah. Saying, okay, I'm thinking about changing this. What do you think? And and to have him kind of on board because I knew it was an, it wasn't a major issue. It was a little maybe a what you would call a minor change, but to have his support and to have to bounce that back bounce that idea back off somebody that uh, has the amount of teaching years that he had is really helpful and 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 made my transition really smooth. Like I said, I'm in year five and things that went really smoothly for me. I have had no issues after following him. Yeah. Were there things, because again, I, I think change is inevitable, right? I mean, and I, so I don't mean to use the word change as like this negative event. Like our programs evolve, our communities evolve. And when leaders change, again, there's just going to be changed naturally. Was there anything that you saw that you thought, you know, this is something that I, long-term I want to change, but I'm going to play the long game on this. I'm going to make it very gradual. I'm going to make it very intentional when perhaps you could have been very quick and prompt, but you recognize that would create some blowback. Were, were there anything that come to mind like that that you thought, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to let this change take years? Absolutely. Um, and, a, and a lot of it is um, the biggest thing for me was the amount of time, rehearsal time, that the programs that I was competing against was uh, they were putting in more time than us and they were being successful. And um, we put in the, uh, a, small, a smaller amount of time than most places. We, we don't operate on a block schedule in Union City Schools. I see my students for 45 minutes a day. Um, and within that time, you know, testing, all the things that take the kids out of the classroom. Um, my biggest thing was trying to gradually increase our time and make great use of our time and to be smart with our time. Um, but it, it did cause a time where we had to... Uh, ask more of our students than we did in previous years. Um, and I definitely did that very slow. Definitely, like I said, bounced the idea off of John. I bounced the idea off many other music educators that I know that put in more time than us. And I gradually did it in a way that the kids didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. Perfect example is I made band camp go a little bit longer. Yeah. However, to trade it out with them, I gave, I would work. I'll, we do three-hour blocks, so we'll work for three hours, and then I give them two hours off, okay, where they can rest, take a shower, go swim in a pool, yeah, do something like that. So the day, actually, the day is actually longer, but I put some breaks in there to give them some time to relax, so that nobody ever said a word, yeah, because they're like, we get a two-hour lunch, yeah. So it was just a way for me to kind of compromise, yeah. get what I wanted. And the kids got something in return. Yeah. Yeah, you were playing chess out there. Uh, you you got to do it. You, you were playing a little bit chess. And I think that's such a great example, again, where you just took some intentionality, you, you reflected, you got some buy-in, and then you did it in such a way. Because it would have been so easy for you to say, hey, in, in three years, this is what I want our band camp schedule to look like. And to make that on that change on year one. Hey, guys, here's the new band camp schedule. But everybody would go, whoa, 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 whoa hold on, Jason. That's not the way we've always done it. But you said, no, I'm going to do this over a period of time. And it sounds like the pushback was minimal. Absolutely. I, and, it, and it's worked well. The kids and the parents, uh, there have been no complaints. And in the, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're getting more rehearsal time. And the kids weren't upset about it. Neither were the parents. There you go. I have to imagine at some point along that transition, you heard comments along the line of, well, that's not the way we've used to do it. Absolutely. How did you handle that? You know, what, what, what was your strategy? Because I have to imagine our natural tendency, that can, that can be kind of an upsetting comment at times, right? It can. 
how did you handle that? You know, uh, the benefit that I had for me is that I had worked under John for 13 years prior to taking the director of band's position. So I kind of had a rapport with most of the parents. I had taught the, the kids from middle school all the way up through high school, yeah. and they knew that. Yeah. They knew that I had spent the time in there, and they knew how I did things. And I think with that, I developed a trust with the parents and the students where, honestly, that comment you just said, that's not how the way we used to do it, I heard it maybe two or three times yeah. total. That's pretty significant. Um, yeah. But now... I would have to say that if it's somebody that has been that hadn't spent the amount of time that I had, I could see where that could definitely be an issue, and I was afraid of it. Yeah, I was afraid that I was going to hear those things when I made some changes. However, once again, I think because me having a good rapport with the parents and being visible with the parents with grade, from grade six through twelve, and being visible in the community, I think that really helped. Where they trusted me, I developed that. Tr- I had already developed a trust with the the parents, the boosters, and even the students. That's great. So, Jason, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the administration, administrative demands of being an educator at a program like Union City or really any high school now. Because I think so many um, at times, particularly young educators, they see where they hope to be one day. And, and, and I imagine a lot of educators, they look at you and they think, man, I want to be like Jason you know, teaching at Union City and, and getting to make this impact on students. But I know that there's a lot more than just that that you have to do, right? And that there's this huge administrative component. And that's really something that you do very, very well. How do you structure your, your day and your time and your priorities to ensure that those demands get done? You know, definitely from the administrative side, I don't try to take it all on by myself. Yeah. When that's my natural tendency and personality is I... I, I like to do things myself, yeah. but in this uh, in this realm, as being a director of band, you've got to learn to delegate some things, whether it be to uh, some of your booster parents, your executive board within your boosters, whether it be your assistants or your staff, it be your percussion staff, guard staff. You've got to be able to delegate some things. If not, you're going to burn yourself out, and we've all heard of burnout. Everybody knows burnout is real. If you don't try to make it where you're not killing yourself from 8 a.m. in the morning to 8 a.m. at night, it's going to push you to your limit. And, and, and I've seen a lot of band directors and a lot of teachers in general burn themselves out in less than 10 years and are finished teaching. They don't want to do it anymore because they burn themselves out. Yeah. What are some of the things on your plate that you try to intentionally delegate out? And what are the things that you say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to own the responsibility for that one, I put a lot of trust in my assistants and in my staff. And I think that helps them develop ownership where they enjoy working for me. Um, if I hire, let's just call it a, a percussion staff person, I'll call them in and, and, and I'll say, you're in charge. You're, you're going to be the one in charge. You come to me when you need me. Or if you need me to come and do take care of something for you, I'll do so. But at the end of the day, you're in charge. Now, come, that comes with that as a responsibility. I have expectations. If the expectations are not met, you'll hear from me. I try to take a, a thing like percussion, something like color guard, kind of out of my hands to where I am just overseeing and not, quote, unquote, um, teaching it. Yeah. Um, it. And then I think that develops a lot of trust with my staff people as well, that they, they know that I trust them to do the program. 
and I only get involved when I have to. Yeah. And it's very minimal yeah. because uh, I get some great people working with me. I got great people working for me at Union City. Um, by me giving them that ownership, I think that's always been helpful. Yeah. How does that initial conversation go? Because I, I have to imagine some people are excited, but that can that also means that you're giving them some rope, right, to, to jump out there. And when you notice somebody that may not be meeting expectations on your staff, because the idea of delegating to avoid burnout, I think, is so great. The implementation of it is a lot harder. It's a lot easier said than done, right? Yes, sir. So how do you kind of keep keep those new people and, and share with them the expectations to ensure that you're able to lean into your strengths too? Uh, you know, the initial meeting that I have with these people, I, I, a lot of times, and the great thing for me is that I usually try my best to hire alumni of the program that kind of know how things run and what my expectations are. Because my expectations aren't a lot different from a staff person than even what I ask of my students. You know, put 100% in every day. Uh, keep everybody on course and, and work the entire time. Uh, that helps me a lot because they kind of know my teaching style. Yeah. Um, but to also have them know that if the job doesn't get done, changes can be made and will be made. And as, as I tell anybody, including myself, you know, we can all be replaced at any point in any time. And I always say, including myself. Yeah. So I hold, myself, I hold myself to the same accountability as I do my staff people. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that you throw that little clause in there because that line in and of itself can come across as a threat a little bit. But it's a great reminder, too, that, hey, we all have to hold each other accountable when done in the right context. And it sounds like that's really the take that you put is we, we have to, you know, a high tide raises all ships, and we have to work together to all, you know, raise that tide. So Absolutely. That's, that's really great feedback. So what, what's the ram of you talked about hiring alumni? And, and, of course, with such a rich history of Union City, I have to imagine there's a lot. The local university is just right down the road, right? Is there drawbacks to that that sometimes you have to address when you're going through that process? There are at times, and it, it doesn't always work out. Um, I'll be the first to admit that I've, I've hired alumni, I've hired people from the local university to come and work, and more times, it works out more times than it doesn't work out. Um, but there have been the times when it just did not work out, and always try to part on good terms, and always try to communicate through everything. Uh, if something's not quite going right, I'm always, I like to be hands-on with my people. If, some, if they do something that I don't quite like, I'm going to talk to them about it. And being a good administrator is being able to talk. And the people that I hire have to be able to handle constructive criticism. If they cannot, they probably won't work for me long. Because even myself as a as a director of bands, I have to be able to handle constructive criticism or yeah. we will not get better. Yeah. So um, it's a give and take situation. And we all work together. And at the end of the day, all we want to do is for the band, our band students to have a great band experience and we're going to all work together to make sure that 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 is they have a great time and have fun now i know the union city program has had a a long-standing relationship with the university of tennessee at martin i mean they're just right down the road from each other program another program with a rich history of, of music education particularly in western tennessee and so i have to imagine that through that partnership do you all see a lot of student teachers and and young educators and have that opportunity is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, we typically have uh, one, uh, I don't know, one every uh, 
couple years, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. But I always open the doors at Union City for anybody uh, that wants to student teach any classes at UTM that want to send kids just for a methods course, just to observe um, our middle school band classes or our high school band classes, just to get them observing what a true classroom looks like. You can't learn that in a college class. Yeah. You got to get out there and see it with your own eyes and see how things work yeah. and how a day to day operation goes. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, most of the kids that are in music education at UTM, you know, they had a band experience themselves. But chances are what they're going to watch and what they're going to see wasn't anything like their band experience. So they need to see to open their eyes to different diverse situations. Yeah, that's exactly. I think you're spot on. That's true that a lot of times those young educators or the college students, they haven't seen the administrative side. But a lot of times, too, they come from large programs like a union city. And uh, that's usually not where your first job is, right? There's these realities that set in, and you're kind of grinning because I suspect your first job was not like that. It was not. It was not. It wasn't at a place that had the, the type of tradition that uh, a Union City did or even like a, a Gibson County High School did. Uh, but it was a learning experience. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. So for educators that might have student teachers for the first time, you know, what advice might you give them to help the student teacher make the most of that opportunity? You know, What responsibility... And kind of rope, do you give that person to spread their wings a little bit and to experience what it's like to be an educator? You know, my first thing is to always communicate and to talk and talk and talk again. You know, praise them when things are going well, but don't be afraid to say when something is not working. Um, you can't be afraid to hurt feelings. And that's just part of being an administrator, being able to help guide these student teachers into what I personally feel is going to make them into a great educator. And sometimes it's not pretty. Well, you know, Jason, as you reflect back on your career, what are some things that you think you would do differently early in your career knowing what you know now as an, an educator with you know, 20 years of experience? <laughs> Excuse me. I think the first thing that if I could go back and look at it again, I would find some way to teach myself patience. I did not have much patience in my first six to eight years of teaching, and it took becoming a father to actually develop patience, um, which has nothing to do with education. Yeah. But when I became a father, I developed patience, and I developed a softer heart. I have four daughters, so as a, as a dad to four girls, I, you got to have the softer heart. I can't um, yell, scream, do all that, but that was a big thing for me. Um, I wanted everything right then, right now, and sometimes you've got to be patient and you've got to um, know how to communicate in a compassionate way, depending on the kid. You have to be able to communicate with students in a way that's going to be effective. Some of them yelling at them works. Some of them speaking with a softer tone is even better. you got to find what works for your kids some kids want to be yelled at like a coach. They just do. That's how they. That's how they respond. And some of them don't. You got to find that happy place for those kids. And um, those would be some biggest things that I wish that I could look back and I could have changed, as well as implementing positive as well as negative feedback more. I felt like as a new teacher, I focused a lot on the negative. Um, but now, as I've been teaching a while. I try to always implement something positive with something negative in it, and it's been great. And that's something I wish I, everybody that's coming fresh out of college, you can't be negative all the time. You can't. You won't be effective. Yeah. Yeah, those are really great reflections. And, 
You know, I, as, a, as a dad to two girls, which is plenty, bless you for four. I don't know how you do that, my friend. It, it is amazing how something like that changes your perspective. But I, I think you're right, that patience, because I think in our, our youthfulness, and I struggled with this too, we have a great deal of energy and ideas, and that sen- tends to create a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the way these organizations work, right? We've got to step back, implement change intentionally, and also recognize the way we communicate with people needs to change based on their individual personalities. So I think those are just great reflections and, and certainly things that I think we can all apply uh, throughout our job. Um, well, Jason, listen, I've enjoyed this conversation so very much. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that, that we want to just unpack a little bit more thoroughly? You know, Nick, and I, once again, appreciate you uh, coming to me and us speaking uh, it's been great, and I appreciate everything that Amarillo Music does for uh, Northwest Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and the surrounding areas in Mississippi, Arkansas. I appreciate you guys are not only just salesmen; you're also looking for the best in music education for all our students, and it's and it's great. It's a great asset to have. I would definitely encourage anybody coming out of college or a university to get in touch with Amro to get the help with the Amro University or the repair clinics or any of the numerous things you guys do to help foster the. Uh, their music education as a teacher. Um, I would say the one thing I would say to uh, anybody that's coming out that may be listening is definitely don't be too prideful and be humble. Yeah. Um, I see that so much in um, some people in education and the whole scheme of education, not just music education, but to be humble and be a lifelong learner. Um, you're ne- I, even after teaching 22 years, I'm still looking to learn. Yeah. Every day. That's why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here going to uh, master classes and going, going to workshops to learn more. And if, if you're not willing to learn more and see how things are changing, uh, you're going to be chasing the bus instead of on the bus. Yeah. Well, that's a great way to put it. How, how has that thought process evolved from earlier in your career to, to, to where you are now? Well, I'll be honest with you. I got a lot of tough love yeah. um, as a young music educator from the guys that I looked up to as mentors. I spoke of them earlier, John Easley, Gil Rollins, Mike Conjardo, D. Bishop. Those are great guys, but, boy, they gave me some tough love. Uh, I can't say quite on, on, on this podcast what exactly they said to me, but I can say that <laughs> colorful, we're, we're, we're going to call it colorful, colorful, tough love. And that's what you got to have. You gotta, and I took that criticism, the constructive criticism, and, and, and I went with it, and I fixed the issues. And I got to feel like that those did nothing but make me more successful over time. I mean, if you're coming out, find somebody, a mentor. If you, you've got to find somebody to help you through this journey or you're going to deal with burnout. You're going to deal with multiple issues and you've got to be able to open yourself up to get help. Yeah, those are absolute great thoughts. Well, Jason, I just appreciate so much you sharing your thoughts. I appreciate your time today, your kind words, and just everything you're doing in the Union City community to keep that band going and make sure it's a vibrant cornerstone in the Union City area. I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks so much. That's Jason Dean, Director of Bands for Union City High School in Northwest Tennessee, talking with Nick Averwater. The After Hours Director's Spotlight is presented by Amro Music, a family-owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in eight states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. And these partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our Director Services Department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. 
The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear many more conversations with music educators at emromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.